as much diversity in a tide pool of seaweeds as there is in your average patch of forest or meadow. Wow. And a lot of times we really don't see it because, you know, seaweed gets a bad rap of just being like, oh, the like brown stinky stuff that washed up on the shore, you know? <laughs> when like, I mean, really seaweed is fundamental to coastal ecosystems and not just for the animals there, but also for the people. You're listening to Herb Mentor Radio by Learning Herbs. I'm John Gallagher. And I'm Tara Ruth. Today we're chatting with Tasha and Devon Greenwood. Tasha and Devon are the co-owners of Mixed Greens, an apothecary herb shop and community gathering and education space in Northampton, Massachusetts, and Nipmuc and Pockhamtuck land. Tasha is a community herbalist and educator who's currently deepening their clinical herbal practice through the Clinical Herbalism Program at the Vermont Center for Integrative Herbalism. For mixed greens, Tasha co-tends the gardens, formulates products, and is the face you'll usually see at the store. And Devon is a community herbalist, registered nurse, and resource mobilizer. They're also currently deepening their study of clinical herbalism at the Vermont Center for Integrative Herbalism. And for mixed greens, Devon works with Tasha to cultivate and tend the medicinal plants, formulate herbal blends, and so much more. Welcome, Tasha and Devon. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Hi. This is, um, you know, quite a moment for us to be here on Urban to Radio because it's the first time we've had four people on at the same time. So this is going to be, you know, I am so curious how this is all going to go. <laughs> oh, I'm very excited. <laughs> very excited. So, you know, were you both interested in plants before you met or did your love for herbs grow after meeting? Yeah. Well, I mean, both of us definitely were in love with plants before we met, but coming from different places. I grew up on, this is Tasha, I grew up on the coast of Florida. And so in that sort of, you know, tropical plants ecosystem mm. and... I studied marine biology and fell in love with seaweed and Devon. Yeah, so I'm Devon. This is the voice you'll hear from me. I grew up on the coast of Maine and spent a lot of time outdoors in all seasons. And when within a year of when Tasha and I met, I went to a health justice workshop that was led by Lauren Giambroni and Mandana Bushi of Wild Gather, the Husband School of Herbal Studies. And so when Tasha and I started living together, we were able to do a summer course with them over the full uh, full summer of 2018. And that really kind of initiated our relationship with each other and relationship with the plants. So those things have continued to grow and deepen simultaneously. And now like after, I guess, how long has it been since you started studying herbs and now you have your own thriving herbal business with mixed greens? Gosh, let's see, that was 2018, mm -hmm. four years now. Wow, so impressive that you already have an herb shop. Like what and yeah. why did you start Mixed Greens? And like what role do you see this beautiful space playing in your community? Yeah. Well, so before Mixed Greens became a thing, I was making herbal products under the name Blue Whale Apothecary mm. and weaving together ocean medicine and plant medicine. And then it was later in herb school when I met Tara. Uh, okay. that I was, yes, <laughs> I was really, you know, thinking and feeling into how I was going to serve my community as an herbalist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had the vision of an herb shop where there's all the things that you would expect, you know, bulk herbs and tinctures and herbal products, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but also a space for community gathering 
and sharing skills and hanging out on the couch mm. and also just getting a moment to rest. Mm-hmm. And, and actually like rest has really become a big part of it. I mean, running a business mm. is hardly quote unquote restful most of the time, <laughs> but running your own business does let you set rest times for yourself and you can set your own expectations. Mm-hmm. What about the rest times for people coming into the shop? Like life is so busy and they're coming in. Are you kind of, is this, you know, really illuminating to a lot of people to be like, wait, a big part of healing is rest. Yeah, definitely. We have a, we have a nice little couch in the shop. Mm. It's in a, it's in the window. So people oh. where we always invite people to come mm. in and kind of be a little shop cat and just like hang out for a bit <laughs> and really know that there's not an expectation that People are like, oh, you, you want me to come hang out at your store? And I'm like, yeah, you just come hang out with us. Like, it's really nice to have a place to socialize with other people and build community. And especially in the context of a retail setting, it can also it can often feel less awkward for folks to continue wearing masks and to be inside with each other more safely during this airborne mm-hmm. pandemic that we're that we're living through. And so, folks are not comfortable spending time in each other's houses. Um, being able to hang out at the shop and we have a little zine library. We have a self-care station. So those are all nice ways to just like informally get to know some other people and and be a presence in the community that's not just like a a fast, you know, rush in and out, which can mm-hmm. be, you know, some people know exactly what they need. They come in and out, but other people linger for a while and and have a little more of that like coffee shop vibes, even though mm. we don't mm. have food served. <laughs> yeah. What's part of your self-care station? Oh, yeah. There is a variety of different hydrosols mm-hmm. that you can spritz on your face and like hmm. take that moment for yourself. There's a selection of little zines. There's also the Dirt Gems Oracle deck where you can sit and pull some cards. And there's also, I just recently put in the store what I'm calling the snail mail box. <laughs> and it's a box where half of it contains materials to write little anonymous letters to mm-hmm. people. And then the other side of the box contains letters or notes or affirmations that people have written, as well as stickers and other little treasures that you can always stop by and pick something out of the snail mailbox wow. as a little letter gift to yourself. Oh my you gosh. That is so sweet. That's great. <laughs> well, I really want to, I'm excited to visit the shop in a few weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, 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 and we'll have some photos on where, you know, where this is posted on, on uh, Learning Herbs. So folks mm-hmm. can see this shop and Tari got to make sure we post some, you know, photos of the self-care area. We're excited to show you all. I was really proud of Tasha's. Uh, there's some very cute little snail collage on the box as well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it just sounds like every facet of your of mixed greens just has so much care put into it, which doesn't surprise me based on yeah. knowing you two. And I love too that that the first thing that you presenced when talking about the business was rest. Because I don't think I've ever heard a small business owner no. <laughs> talk about no. rest when they're, um, <laughs> when they're talking about, you know, like the first thing that comes to mind with their business. And that's such a beautiful way to disrupt that narrative of like, what is possible in starting a business, especially a business that's so mm. focused on like community wellness. Yeah. And, and yet rest is the most important part of healing, mm-hmm. you know, no, which is so is. overlooked. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just wondering, like, in this journey of being like small business owners and Mixed Greens is just over one year old, 
do you have any advice for our listeners out there who are interested in starting their own small business, perhaps? Sounds like rest would be a big one, but are there any other lessons you really gleaned in this past year of that you would love to share with folks who are interested? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the main things that led us to wanting to start our own business, which is get to be our own, our own bosses in some ways. And I know that Mm. is not a reality for everyone, but to think about like, what kind of boss manager supervisor do you want to be? Like we've had a number of people in, you know, positions of authority over us and other jobs who we really didn't like working for. So we have to be our own good bosses (laughs) to Mm. ourselves and allow ourselves to like take those breaks, allow ourselves to you know, push for certain goals that we have, like getting, you know, a certain number of workshops done um, mm-hmm. in a month or coming up with different new products or contacting new small business makers to to stock. Like we want to treat ourselves with the with the like compassion and mind towards sustainably being able to run this business that mm-hmm. we wish we could have had in other jobs. Like we're doing we're doing this for the long haul. We this is like so much the I don't want to say culmination because we're just mm-hmm. starting, but in so many ways the like the space that we've created to be able to pursue our dreams with mm. each other, mm-hmm. and mm. we can't burn out on that. Yeah. No, no, and and so I'm curious. The name Mixed Greens, and you spell it M X E D Greens. What's the origin of that? Like that's <laughs> that's really cool. I love it, and I just like I'm like, well, what's that's the story? Oh my god, so funny. So this is actually a pretty funny story in that well. Okay, so back when we got engaged and Mm -hmm. people were really on the like wedding hashtags trend Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we were like, oh gosh, maybe we should have a wedding hashtag. That would be really funny. And because my last name is Greenwood and Devon was taking my last name, we were like, "Mm, Mm. Greenwood, something with that. And both of us are non-binary and we use MX as the honorific oh. instead of Mr. or Mrs. Okay. So our wedding hashtag, it was kind of a joke, was mixed greens, spelled that way. And it. we hardly ever used it because we ended up canceling our big wedding anyway. But then <laughs> fast forward a few years down the road and we were like, gosh, what do we call this like beautiful dream of this herb shop that we're having together and all of these things? And mixed greens was it. <laughs> mm. Love it. It's great. It's great. People can know the pun. You're like, oh, like, you know, like greens, like greenery, like herbalism. Great. Like they get that off, like right off the bat. But then if you like know deeper, it's there's a queer subtext that definitely Mm -hmm. draws customers in, which we really love too. Oh, yeah. And I really appreciate that because, you know, just learning so much. And we haven't had many conversations on on this podcast with queer and trans herbalists. So I'd like to talk a bit about that. And, you know, your experiences through that lens, talk about mixed screens and its importance for the queer and trans community. For sure. I mean, there's so much to say there. Definitely. Like, please do. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think first, maybe an important like framing is just that like herbal medicine and plants themselves are so queer. Like, you know, plants don't have genders. And even when we talk about, you know, different parts of plants getting assigned different like male or female designations because of certain structures morphologically, those flowers still often have both you know, Mm -hmm. pistils and stamens. And 
it's just so many blurring of lines of sex and gender. I mean, and that is the same for humans too. And so, you know, our introduction to herbalism was in such a queer affirming space and really through that lens. And I think a lot of queer people are also drawn to plant medicine because we have a lot of terrible experiences with the traditional medical system, which is really binary and often doesn't recognize not just the nuance, but even the validity of Hmm. queer and trans bodies and our health needs and our health desires. And there's so much space in plant medicine for that, for all of it. And so it feels so important to have herb shops that are queer and trans run to bring more folks into these spaces of plant medicine and show people that like there are all these ways that you can resource your body and relationships you can have with these plants that are so supportive that really see you for who you are and where you are in your journey, in your body. And for us too, you know, it's, especially this feels really relevant coming out of June, you know, pride month in which a lot of organizations and corporations will put a rainbow flag on their window and say, everybody's welcome here, you know, and that is good, but it's really just the very, very tiny starting place for us in our store. What it looks like to really like celebrate queer and trans people is most of the products that we stock the makers they're queer herbalists and makers Mm -hmm. and you're not going to find anything on the shelves that's labeled like you know a blend for women's health or Mm -hmm. men's vitality because gendered binaries like that really aren't serving anyone but what you will find are things like salves for top surgery scars or a tea blend for your hashtag hot gay summer. We've got essences for transition and transformation. And all of our botanically dyed clothing is not labeled with specific sizes or categorized by gender. So there are just some, some parts of that. I'm curious too, Devon, as a nurse, have you felt in your herbal practice and, you know, as you're learning bringing herbalism maybe more into nursing or bringing nursing more into herbalism? Do you feel more expansion in herbalism? I guess I'm thinking about how people often create the separation between like herbs and quote unquote alternative healing are where there's more freedom and more expansion. And then in allopathic medicine, you know, where there's not as much opportunity for expansion, but I really see you bringing your ethic of deep care and liberatory possibilities in all the work you do. So I'm just curious, can you talk about how you weave together herbalism and allopathic medicine and how you use those to like really show up for your community in like celebratory and affirming ways? Yeah, thank you so much, Tara. I really, I really appreciate that question and and that observation because that is so deeply what I'm about and what I'm trying to do here with my life in this world. I feel like the fact that currently, like, you know, Western tech medicine is so regulated and has so many institutions and like layers and things Mm -hmm. that like different, you know, different power systems and structures and people, there's, it can be a lot harder to make changes in those systems. Whereas like in herbalism, given you know, the state of herbalism in the, in the U S right now, um, means that more individual people can have a bigger impact in education, in shifting conversations and narratives around bodies and how we're, you know, resourcing ourselves, bringing, you know, bringing our, our, our minds and bodies into balance. So I think that I just like the, the ways that I've 
heard and learned from many other more experienced herbalists teach about queer and trans experiences, um, especially medical experiences, has really informed the possibilities that I find that could happen within the Western medical system. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I currently work is a medical surgical floor. So that's like a regular inpatient. We have a lot of, you know, more elderly folks. It's a Northern New England rural, more rural community. So there's not as many opportunities there to really talk about or, you know, provide education around queer and trans health specifically. Yeah. So right now in my current, like in my current nursing work, the queer health part doesn't really extend to the patients who I work with, Mm -hmm. whereas it Mm -hmm. does much more so in the shop with customers. So that kind of, that, those overlaps aren't quite as much there, but Mm -hmm. in terms of how I work with, you know, more like pharmaceutical medicine and like tech medicine interventions in my job at the hospital versus being an herbalist, I think those things do really go together in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about how, you know, Western medicine or medicine that was like codified and practiced by white men for so many centuries, they were using plants too, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, they're at least through the 1800s, like the medicines they provided, like that was from folk herbalism that they like, you know, learned it from and took it from. And there wasn't that differentiation between like, you know, like big pharma didn't exist for so much of the history of medicine. So mm-hmm. the work that I that I feel like we're doing is to really like remember and like reconnect and like reintegrate the medical system with herbalism in terms of like how I'm doing that. I think it's obviously there's like certain legalities of what I, I can and can't say in mm-hmm. the environment of a hospital with patients, you know, when there's that like patient totally. provider, like power structure there and, and my license, as well as what I can, what I can say in the shop. Hmm. But the things that I've learned as an herbalist and as a nurse totally complement each other in terms hmm. of the, like researching how different foods, different plants, like all of those things can be either complementary with like pharma or other procedures that are done in a hospital or a medical setting or which ones can like work against each other. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, Tasha can talk about this more, but like so much of what we learn at Vermont Center for Integrative Herbalism is how to do that research, how to like take the deep knowledge of like physiology of metabolic pathways. So like which plant compounds, which pharma compounds can work with each other are not able to work with each other depending on the benefits you're trying to get. And the last thing I'll say about being a nurse and being an herbalist together is I think like even historically as well as contemporarily, there are a lot of overlaps. So the things that neither roles can do are to diagnose or to prescribe, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. the things that both of us can do, we can provide education. There's the lifestyle and dietary recommendations. We think about structure function language and also like evidence-based practice. It's like, what are the, what are the clinical trials about specific ways to work with patients? What are the specific clinical trials that are about herbs on like for COVID, for example, for example. And so both herbalists and nurses can use evidence-based practice and also contribute to practice-based evidence for ever more effective health interventions. You know, I, you said, Devon, you know, the word reintegrate popped out for me because I feel like the two of you in many ways in your lives are finding ways to integrate different worlds like allopathic and herbal medicine and how can they coexist, you know, 
bringing trans queer issues and herbalism and, you know, integrating that into what a lot of people are doing out there. Um, Tasha, do you, do you find that in the work that you're doing together? Is that sort of like a, you know, a big part of your relationship as a couple, you know, like, just because I, when my wife, we, we've been getting 25 years and, you know, we found that our life, our work together in the world has sort of a theme <laughs> and, you know, it seems like you two together are powerful couple. And it is, is that the case? Yeah. I think, yeah. Sorry. That was a power song. couple. Yeah. Power yeah, couple and integration and two worlds. Like, I just feel like that's what a lot of what you're talking about is. Yeah. No, I mean, definitely there is the integration. I mean, just of our own ideas together. Like I would say for anybody opening a business that doing it alone is really hard and doing it together mm-hmm. is really great. And I mean, challenging sometimes, you know, because you're integrating two different people's perspectives, but what you get from that is so much richer, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. and like we keep each other from posting stuff that's like maybe a little too spicy for, you know, for Instagram, (laughs) like no hot takes, you know, one of us will like type something up, be like rage. And then the person like, no, 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 let's dial it back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I'll let Tasha continue. Um, so just back to what you're saying about integration and it does feel like it's, it is really kind of at the crux, I think of a lot of herbal businesses right now is how do we integrate this medicine that has been around forever into the systems of capitalism Hmm. that we're living in now, you know, how do we, how do we bridge that? These, this beautiful knowledge, these experiences, these, you know, teachers that plants are with the sort of structures, rigidity and demands of capitalism. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and that feels really at the center of a lot of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That's a huge theme in our work for sure that we're trying to continually navigate. Mm -hmm. That makes me think about how a lot of your products you offer and your herbal consults on a sliding scale. And I'm, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like how you balance financial accessibility and sharing the medicine with your community and then also stay profitable as a business? Yeah, totally. Well, so when I first started making herbal products, I offered everything on a sliding scale from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's because sliding scale has always been a way that I've been able to access healing modalities and just other experiences generally. And, you know, over the years, as I've learned about different economic models within justice frameworks that it's only become more clear that with capitalism as the way it stands, sliding scale is one of the best and most easily accessible tools Mm -hmm. that we have in moving towards economic justice and financial accessibility. Mm -hmm. So when we started Mixed Greens, we were like, of course, we're going to offer things on a sliding scale. And it's been a whole process and one that we're still in of figuring out what the scale should be, which products are on the scale and what that looks like. And right now, products that we make and consults are on a sliding scale while the clothing that we dye and bulk herbs are not. Mm -hmm. And it just really feels good. Like we've set up a tiered system where the lowest tier is the base price of something, like the cost to produce a product. Mm-hmm. And then the middle tier is what we would charge in the absence of a sliding scale. Huh. And then the top tier is a pay it forward price. Oh. And it's all written up on signage around the store. So it's really easy to figure out, you know, where you fall before you're up at the register and having to say totally. what you want to pay. 
And the scale isn't fixed. Like we don't, you know, take down people's names and say, this is where you are on the scale. (laughs) You know, it's like, if you had a crappy week and some unexpected bills, like pay less, you know, if you just got your paycheck and you want to share some of that, you can pay more. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think what's really important too, is that it's a system that is fundamentally built on trust. Mm -hmm. Right. And this feels crucial because, I mean, I think a lot about this quote from Black organizer, Reverend Jen Bailey, that social change moves at the speed of relationships and relationships move at the speed of trust. Hmm. And so if we're trying to have change, then we need to have things be relational and be based in trust. Mm -hmm. And, And there is that relational piece, right? Because as a small business, you know, our, our customers are our neighbors, they're our providers, they're our friends. And so it really does become this relational and trusting web. And it works. I mean, and people don't always believe it, but it, it truly, like at the end of the month, our sales average out, you know, the low end of the scale and the high end of the scale, and it keeps the business viable. And I really think about like health justice and economic justice being incredibly linked together. Like, you know, what, what healthcare are you able to access with, you know, different levels of money and how talking about these things can be really hard for people or especially with people who do have access to a lot of money, people who do have, you know, maybe more than they need for their given like month um, or for their individual family. And so being able to like, you know, have someone like look, read these signs, like be at the register and like, oh yeah, like, and have that recognition. Like it's a recognition, I think for, for folks with more, you know, more money privilege to be able to say, oh, wow, like this is my positionality within the community. And therefore, what can I do with that? And have that be not just like a money flex of like, ooh, I just dropped a hundred dollars at McScreens, but like, wow, I am helping to provide a space where people can access medicine at a, at a, at a lower, you know, price tier and people can start to take pride in being a wealth redistributor on that side of the scale. I think often folks who've had their finances, you know, maybe scrutinized by state systems for so much longer in their life are like really used to talking about it and used to talking about sliding scale. But I think just like the conversation of sliding scale has opened up a lot more honesty and a lot more trust within our community. Hmm. And that goes back to what Tasha was talking about. Um, So there's not, you know, there's not one way to do sliding scale. I think this works for us because while we do have repeat customers, it's not like our livelihoods are dependent on like, you know, maybe five clients who we see every week. So people like body workers, you know, social workers or therapists, people who are doing, you know, much more time and and cost intensive sessions with people. I think their sliding scales can be really different. So I'm not trying to say that what we do at Mixed Greens is the only way to do it, but as a retail and herbal consultation business, it's really, it has worked for us so far. Yes. And you talking about the trust that that builds in your community too, and having like trust, trusting of your community and Mm -hmm. then being trusted by your community just makes me think about how even at the beginning, when you're outlining how you lay out, you know, the mixed green space with the sofa and the self-care station, it's a space where you're really welcoming people in and to kind of down-regulate their nervous systems and trust you. It's just really, really beautiful how you've set up the space. And I think it's 
it just makes me want to see more of these kinds of spaces, you know? Yeah. I kind of kind of get the sense as a sort of like in your planning or in your visions for the future, it kind of feels like a bit like a little bit like a free clinic type of situation. Have you thought about like creating that? Like uh, when I visited and worked with Seven Song in Ithaca and he introduced me to the free clinic where there was, you know, all different kinds of practitioners there. I mean, you know, Devon, you being a nurse and you both being herbalists, has that ever crossed your mind? Oh, I mean, for sure. We have a million dreams. You know, <laughs> we're two very ambitious earth signs over here. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Um, the Virgo energy is high. Oh my yes, gosh. Virgo Capricorn energy is real strong. Real but no, of course. And I mean, right now, with the two of us doing herb school and also all the other things in life, sort of setting up a more like collective clinic space has not been as much at the top of the priority list, but I think it'd be a very, very cool thing in the future. Oh, yes. Well, I'm so excited for all the possibilities for the two of you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I mean, but like, I also want to say too, like within this conversation about like, you know, what we're doing next is that it feels like really important to name that like within capitalism, there is so much of the idea that like your business always needs to grow. Like you need to get bigger. You need to make more profit. You need to have more things. But like, what if the goal isn't just continued growth and exponentially making profits, you know, that like our business model is so much centered on just, you know, making enough that the business is viable and that we're meeting our needs Mm. and paying ourselves for our labor, but really about the community focus and not just becoming like the next bigger shop. Mm. Well, so important. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you that in the 18 plus years that learning herbs has been around, it's always been like, you know, you start a business and it starts to grow and then you hire a couple employees and then there's like oh you have to make payroll oh we have to do this and whenever i take myself out of that and just go wait a minute john what are we doing we are helping mm-hmm. people we are supporting our community we're being there we're making change we're having an impact when i get out of that fear and put myself into the place of why we started this to begin with things work out and yeah i feel like is always just what we need to exist and, you know, and, and get by. And it's a much more happier and healthy life to focus on impact and relationships and building than it is to focus on the bottom line. So what you just said really resonated with me because I'm like, amen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, that that's been, you know, really big learning for you as well oh, yeah. with learning herbs. I just think about how I like as an individual herbalist and specifically as a white herbalist, like in the Northeast, like I don't need to reinvent the wheel. Like we don't have to like be the, like the people who are coming up with like all of the answers and having all of the, like, you know, most popular tincture lines and and Mm -hmm. having all of the clinics. Like I'm not out here trying to be other people's bosses. Like I'm out Mm -hmm. here trying to be in collaboration and connection. So I know you all, you had a wonderful interview with the botanical bus And there's another organization out here called the People's Medicine Project that does a similar thing. And so we've, you know, collaborated with them and there's others just, there's so many herbalists out here in Western Mass. So I think, you know, figuring out more ways that we can uplift each other and support each other. And maybe that is, you know, contract different herbalists or contracting web designer or, you know, having other like small artists have their, have their work at the store. But 
to me, it's like, how can we create this ecosystem to, you know, basically like keep money local (laughs) in -hmm. a lot of ways and, and support each other instead of just like focusing on late stage capitalism, like, you know, growth up to a precipice. So that's definitely a lot of like really big unlearning. Yeah. Yeah. It really is, <laughs> you know, just what you're growing up seeing and then unlearning. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> exactly. The, un- the unlearning and the relearning and, and yeah. being able to, you know, to chat with other folks like you all about how we can collectively do this feels really like the move, the move forward. And that's where we want to be orienting towards. Hey, Tara. Hi, John. How's it going? Fine. You know... I was just looking on Herb Mentor here and I clicked on herbs. Yeah. And there are dozens of plant profiles. Some people call them monographs, but we like to call them plant profiles. Mm-hmm. Keep and, that alliteration. Yeah. You know. Plant profiles. And what's so cool is that anytime you want to learn more about an herb that you may be reaching for this time of year, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's, it's, it's summer. So, Aloe, what else? Chamomile for me. Hibiscus. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you want to learn more about these, you can simply, um, I'm, I'm looked at hibiscus right here. You can go there. It's, it's, it works so great on your phone on Herb Mentor. You hit on herbs and it looks so cool. And so you always have this information at your fingertips or your computer. And there's all this, like, it's, it's a, these, you know, these, there's so much information here about each plant. Absolutely. I, I mean, even after, you know, studying herbs for years, I find myself often reaching for Herb Mentor just to like cross-reference things, make sure that I'm not, like, for example, contraindications. A lot of times, you know, I'll be like, oh, I want to recommend this herb to someone. I'm just going to double check that there's no contras that would maybe make this not a good herb for someone. And it's so nice just to have that all in my pocket with Herb Mentor in my Mm -hmm. phone. And information you know you can trust. Absolutely. I mean... vetted. (laughs) <laughs> right. If I just Google, I don't know, like, are there any contraindications for hibiscus on the, on the, you know, World Wide web? I'm mm-hmm. just going to find a million false claims about hibiscus. It's yeah. so nice just to have reliable info. Oh my god! Exactly. Exactly. And then also what will show up are other resources on her mentor that might be of interest. Like I, there's a plant walk with Rosalie on hibiscus right here. And I can see what Rosalie has to say about hibiscus. Or I can do that for any of the herbs on here. So, yeah. And of course, speaking of herbs, if you want to order any of these herbs right on Herb Mentor, all members get 10% off bulk herbs at Mountain Reserves. And that's pretty cool. So that can pay for your membership in a year, actually. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many great recipes, too, all on Herb Mentor. When mm-hmm. I'm on this hibiscus monograph or plant profile still, I'm saying like, oh, there's a Tulsian hibiscus oximel or a hibiscus tea or a hibiscus syrup. So the world's really your oyster mm-hmm. with Herb Mentor. I have a feeling now that pretty soon on here, there's going to be one on Irish moss, a seaweed. So uh, oh. <laughs> we'll find out about that right now. Should we get back to the interview? Oh, yeah. Let's see if Tasha has anything to say about Irish moss. I want to hear, I want you to ask a seaweed question. I want oh my to God. I want to get into the seaweeds. Yes. <laughs> I was actually just going to. <laughs> so perfect. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, John wanted me to ask because I was, Tasha describing the amazing seaweed and pea flower cream that you made mm. in herb school. 
and I still gush about it to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever put on my skin ever. Oh my God. But yeah. And you, you know, started off by saying that you studied like marine biology and I'm just, and I know you're writing a monograph for Herb Mentor also an Irish Moss. And so I'm oh, just wondering awesome. if you could share a little bit about like your relationship to, to the seaweeds in general. And then also talk a little bit about Irish moss. I know nothing about that seaweed and I know it's getting so much buzz these days. Yeah. So I'd love to learn a little bit more from you, my herbalist friend. Thank you. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, seaweeds. I I love them. It's like there is as much diversity in a tide pool of seaweeds as there is in your average patch of forest or meadow. Wow. And a lot of times we really don't see it because you know, seaweed gets a bad rap of just being like, oh, the like brown stinky stuff that washed up on the shore, you know, (laughs) when like, I mean, really seaweed is fundamental to coastal ecosystems and not just for the animals there, but also for the people. I mean, Mm -hmm. coastal communities around the world have relied on seaweed as food and medicine and like other economic income products Mm -hmm. for centuries. And Irish moss is one that I love. It's such a cute little like stubby red seaweed that kind of like (laughs) glistens with this beautiful iridescence in the sunlight. It's very unassuming, but is so cool. And it's called Irish moss because like the biggest place where it grows is off the coasts of Ireland and the UK, but Mm -hmm. it's all around the Atlantic, Northern Atlantic, cold water. And the Latin name is Chondrus crispus. Mm-hmm. when I was pronounced Chandra's Crispus. And there's been a lot of buzz recently about sea moss. And what a lot of people are referring to is Caribbean sea moss or Jamaican sea moss, mm-hmm. which is also a red seaweed, but it's actually Gracilaria or Euchyma is the genus. So mm-hmm. they're like cousins. But I love Irish moss because it's what's available here. Mm-hmm. And as a white person with ancestors in Europe and coastal Europe, this feels like not only an ancestral food and medicine for me, but for a lot of people in the Mm -hmm. New England region, for sure. And so the cool thing about these two seaweeds that are called sea moss, but specifically Irish moss, is this substance called carrageenan, which you might recognize from seeing it on labels of things from ice cream to toothpaste. Mm -hmm. And it's a polysaccharide. And when heated, it forms a thick, gooey gel. Mm. Like if you think about the goo that comes from like marshmallow root or slippery Mm -hmm. elm, it's like that, but like even more gelatinous. Delicious. Delicious. (laughs) Yes. So good. But that is what in that cream that I make with the butterfly pea flowers and nice lavender hydrosol and other things helps emulsify the cream which if you have ever made an herbal cream you know they are notoriously difficult to emulsify Mm -hmm. um, your oil and your water but it also feels so luxurious on your skin Mm. and that like you know gel matrix helps keep moisture on your skin longer you know in the same way that we use beeswax in creams to help hold that moisture onto your skin but more historical uses and current uses are using that gel as a super soothing demulcent for GI tract stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that's like ulcers or like IBS pictures. 
It's also soothing for the respiratory tract in that way that, you know, we can use marshmallow root to help soothe coughs and Mm -hmm. make them more productive. It's a lot of historical use of Irish moss for respiratory issues. You know, if you think on like cold, coast, damp, coastal mm-hmm. communities where that's yeah, a thing. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. Oh my gosh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and then there's also some really fascinating research that is happening mostly in labs right now, but with the components of Irish moss being effective against HPV, human papillomavirus. Oh, wow. oh. Which is fascinating and amazing. Because like there's a lot of talk about making like personal lubricants with it. So you're like putting the medicine where it needs to go on that tissue mm-hmm. and being really effective adjunct therapeutic. That's Incredible. so cool. Yeah. And then there's also some like wild new research that's about like these like ionized sprays with the carrageen, like nasal sprays to <laughs> work for COVID virus particles. Whoa. Which is like, I mean, it's not at all the kind of like home medicine that you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm still always like fascinated with the directions that researchers will take plant constituents, you know, not totally. necessarily because they're like the most practical use, but just like thinking about long term how so many drugs come from plants and just like what are the possibilities. And also because like pharmaceutical science in that way is often people's inroads into interest into plants so like i'm here for all of it and excited to learn about all the parts of it Mm. including the gel matrix i i the gel matrix sounds like you know you mentioned that i was like yeah gotta go to the gel (laughs) matrix (laughs) yes oh my gosh seaweed gel is so glorious when we lived in california briefly during fire season Uh, we filled we filled a kiddie pool in our backyard with water and then put a bunch of seaweed in it (gasps) and with like the gel and then we just like put that all over our bodies to try to deal with the heat it was very soothing it was was very necessary wow so i i I have questions like you know practical questions like so if someone's like listening to this and they're like wow irish moss sounds really cool they want to get to know it i mean so if you're finding it or can harvest it fresh like what are the safest places for that or if you can't do that and you want dry, does that work? And where do you get it? Uh, okay, so I'm just going to shut up and you can. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, seaweed harvesting is definitely an experience that I highly recommend if you live in a coastal place and have access to a shoreline where seaweed harvesting is welcome and allowed. The most important thing is when you're harvesting seaweed is that you leave the hold fast, which is what looks kind of like roots, but isn't actually roots, and part of the body of the seaweed so that it can regenerate from there. There is an Irish moss on the Pacific coast, but there are some other fabulous seaweed species full of this wonderful gel. One's called Iridea, and it's beautiful iridescent kind of reddish color that you can definitely easily ID with a guidebook. And if you're not near the coast, which most of us aren't, There are some folks who do harvest Irish moss. My best recommendation is Atlantic Holdfast seaweed. Michael Woodcock is like, I mean, he has been in the seaweed world harvesting, but also medicinal uses for years and is really an expert and Mm. also really sustainable harvesting. 
Of and we do carry those at the shop very proudly. Oh my god! Right. So yeah, find them on mixedgreens.com. Um, <laughs> and Absolutely. there's only available like once a year. You know, there's kind of an annual harvest of the seaweed, and then it's available till it sells out. But I also am pretty sure you can get Irish moss from like Mountain Rose Herbs and a few of the other big suppliers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And do, and do you, do you oh. yeah, do you harvest? Sorry, sorry, you're going to ask. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to ask if you have, uh, if you sell your cream. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I do sometimes. I know the back of it right now, but it will get remade soon. Great. Just asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm, I'm always like, Tasha, when are you going to make your cream again? So I, there's, there's, you know, the life and small business owners, there's always many different directions that we're trying to go. But if you are totally. interested in this, in the seaweed cream recipe, stay tuned with Mixed Greens. Tasha does some seaweed workshops annually where you can learn a lot more about that, as well as reading their Irish Moss monograph that's going to be upcoming soon on learning herbs. Yes, the yeah, basic recipe sure. for the cream is in the monograph. So, Oh my gosh. What? Oh, wow. Oh, I'm so excited. Very excited. <laughs> so, so, so I... So let's, you just had mentioned about, you know, classes, things like that. Do you teach sea, seaweed walks in classes? Well, I don't usually teach seaweed walks just because we are in mm. Western Mass. Oh, and, okay. you know, coordinating, meeting up at a coastal area is a little bit harder, but I definitely would. Most of what we teach generally is botanical dye workshops. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. That has been really popular. And then we also teach classes about like, basic herbalism and different medicine making preps and different on different farms. We are running a series this summer. that's all about like sensory immersion with plants with one of our favorite farms up here. It's called sensing the seasons of the five workshops. Each is a different one. So we're really excited to be using the, um, like getting this time to be outside to really be on the farm and have people immerse themselves with the plants and get to know the plants as they, as they grow and learn about touch smell, taste, sight, and sound one at a time. Ah, that's Mm. so cool. What farm are you partnering with? It's called Foxtrot Farm and they're an amazing herb farm. And they also have this CSA called Healing and Resilient Food CSA. And it's kind of half traditional CSA and half herbal CSA. And it's really centered around climate resilient crops. So Mm -hmm. they grow with using the most minimal amount of plastic, hardly any irrigation, and really prioritize whatever medicinal and vegetable plants can grow with like pretty big climate swings, you know, wow. like drought mm-hmm. or lots of rain or, mm-hmm. you know, weird pests coming up. Totally. Pretty cool. Wow. Do y'all source a lot of your herbs from them or do you grow your herbs or? Yeah, that's a great question. We definitely source what we can from Fox Shop Farm. When we opened Mixed Screens last summer, the pre-orders for many local farms had already closed. So we were able to, um, like this, this season right now at the end of this summer season, we're going to get a lot more from Foxtrot Farm. And yeah, Tara, thank you for asking that. I think one of the main things that we feel really strongly about at Mixed Greens is to have the bulk herbs that we source, the small batch makers who we stock in our store, that the plants that they're using, that they are really in right relationship with those plants, that it's not going to be too extractive from the ecosystem. So that means that they're small, they're all the all the herbs, all the bulk herbs, if you come in, all the bulk herbs, or if you see on our website, they're all going to be from small-scale herb farms in the U.S., which we're really proud of. I know that means that there's not 
every herb that we have sourced. There's amazing mm-hmm. herbs from other other bioregions in in other countries. But for our practices, we yeah, we really want to support those those growers and those farms who are aligned in those ways and are coming up with more resilient ways to you know resilient ways to combat changing climate. Yeah, and also like I mean, if the pandemic taught us anything about like shipping delays like i remember when all of a sudden there was like no elderberry and like Mm -hmm. no chamomile you know and totally like what do we do and so it feels like really important you know as a small shop to build those relationships with farms you know where Mm -hmm. they're maybe not you know exporting globally but will often have medicine growing if you know the supply chain is disrupted in a major way Hmm. totally and i love on your website how when you click on shop you have a whole list of these small companies and people that are doing the work so you're featuring each company and i encourage everyone to look at that because you know when you see this you get you you get ideas and you're inspired about what's possible for you when you're looking at this. So people out there listening to this may find inspiration, you know, in that. It's like my first herbal mentor always said, when you go in any herb shop or when you go in any, you know, store and you're attracted or you're looking at different herbal products, look at what's in it. Look at the ingredients, you know, there's a learning experience in itself. And your website is a learning experience for so many things. Um <laughs> And I love it. The shop section, the events section. So cool. All the stuff you're doing right there. I really, it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And so, yeah, then, and that website, of course, is mxedmixedgreens.com. And um, yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, as it's amazing, right, Tara, how quickly these, these hours go by. I know, right? (laughs) I know. Here we are. You mentioned so many great resources, and I hope everyone goes and Google's a lot of these companies and stuff. And but so Tasha and Devon, I was wondering if, like, you know, if there's just something that's come up for you that you want to share in all that we've just been talking about and everything, like just to kind of, you know, bring it all together to help everyone integrate. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think one of one of the big things that we're really trying to do is create ecosystems of care. And that's with our human community and with the plant communities. And Mm. so a lot of the, the folks who, you know, whose products are at the store, some of them are local, some of them are regional, but in that we're all supporting each other, whether that's, whether that's near or far to create the futures of herbalism that we want to have in the years to come to create the care webs, the resources for health, the resiliency against new viruses as they come along, changing ecosystems. Like we're out here trying to, you know, trying to learn how to to care for each other and to use the incredible, like longstanding wisdom and knowledge of the plants to do that. So I'm just so grateful that we found herbalism and that we found each other and that Mm -hmm. our paths have been able to continue to grow and shift along this together. Mm. Mm. And that yeah, your commitment to just a deep care ethic. I mean, just in being friends with you both really comes across in everything you do. Even when I ordered like a beautiful botanically dyed shirt from y'all, it had all these extra things in it that I didn't expect, like a sweet sticker from the store and a Mm. plant print and all of these things. And just in the time that I've gotten to know you both, I just feel so grateful for the care that you reflect 
you know, just how you show up in the world. And then I'm so excited to visit mixed screens and just see this physical space that really represents that care and how you show up for your community. Um, so thank you both for joining us today. And I know John mentioned your website, Mixed Greens, but where else can people connect more mm-hmm. with you? Do you have an Instagram and, you know, what's going on? Do you do that crazy <laughs> social media thing that the kids are doing these days? <laughs> okay, we're not on TikTok. We are... Mo- <laughs> A bummer. <laughs> I know. We're millennials. We haven't quite gone to the, like, dancing around with herbs yet, but we try to post pretty regularly on Instagram. Totally. We give ourselves some days off of the week, but we try to, you know... Keep it fresh there um, with different products, with thoughts, with beautiful pictures of plants, you know, a little, some, sometimes an occasional snap of us being cute, some more, more queer love in your feed. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> um, the Instagram handle is at Mixed Greens. Yes. The Instagram <laughs> handle is at Mixed Greens. We're at Mixed Greens everywhere. It's M-X-E-D-G-R-E-E-N-S at gmail.com, mixgreens.com for the website and at Mixed Greens for social media. We have a newsletter. We have a monthly newsletter. That's the other way we keep in touch with folks mm. outside of social media. So if you're interested, <laughs> feel free to sign up on our website, email us. We're really excited to keep making connections. And we're so grateful to, to speak with you both today and be connected with the Herb Mentor community. Mm, it's really been an honor. It's been an honor. Thank you. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, we are in Western Mass, but we do, we're doing more and more like, you know, online workshops and such. So even if you're mm. not local, you can definitely connect with us that way. And we love hearing from folks, whether it's a question or a really cool plant or seaweed story that you oh. want to share. <laughs> so thank you. Ah, amazing. Well, Tasha and Devon, thank you both so much for joining us on Ermentor Radio. It's been a pleasure. Thank you thank both. Thank you. Take care. Herb Mentor Radio is written and produced by John Gallagher and Tara Ruth. Sound engineering by Zach Frank. Visit HerbMentorRadio.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and for information on how to be part of Herb Mentor, your home for herbal education. Herb Mentor Radio is a production of LearningHerbs.com LLC, all rights reserved. Thank you so much for listening.